Ali, can you name everything in the practice that's made by WNH? Ooh, off the top of my head, all of our handpieces, our sterilization equipment, my implant motor, the PisoMed, they're an incredible company to work with because they're an Austrian company that focus on hygiene and we know from studies that patients care most about hygiene. To top it all off, the support we get from them is amazing. They don't actually supply the equipment, but they provide the support. Now that's true support. Ali, what's that you're holding? Well, this is a burr box from Crown Dental Burrs and it has Dr. Flo King's name on it. And the reason we've implemented this in the practice is that Paul has the rota system, so his great burrs are kept in order. That means you can ask your nurse for a number of burr, which means you'll always get the same burr, and the rota system means you'll never run out of burrs. So it's definitely worth the investment and it's not nearly as dear as you might think for something this good. Greetings dental professionals. I'm Flo, a new addition to the field. And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist who's been around for a while. Welcome to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise. You can find us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. So Ali, how's your week been? It's been a great week. But I've had a new philosophy this week. I've decided I have a seven-day work week mm -hmm. and a seven-day weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I realized is that I really enjoy what I do, but I don't want to take time away from my little one. And so I think the best way to do that is to take the percentage of time I spend on the weekend relaxing and spread it across the days. Okay. What does that actually look like? It means that I spend time with my daughter every morning, every evening, um, and I spend fewer hours at work than you would at a nine to five. Mm -hmm. And it also means that on the weekends, I put in meetings or projects that might be important, but they're also all really interesting. So mm -hmm. for example, on Saturday, um, I drove to Cheltenham mm -hmm. to see Gareth Jones, who's a brilliant implant surgeon. He was doing a big bone graft and I spent a few hours with him and I watched this incredible case that he did. And then, I worked a little bit that day and in the afternoon I spent time with my daughter and I actually think I'm the type of person, we're all different and some people like to work for 10 days in a row and then take a week off. Mm. Um, I think I need a work-life balance every day rather than every week and so I started that this week. Fabulous. I definitely want to talk about work-life balance. Um, later on in the episode yeah. so, that. so so that was cool but also um, we've been fitting some beautiful work this week I put some stuff out on Instagram um, especially Darren Kelsey's lab mm -hmm. uh, in Scotland the full arch work we've been getting back and even the smaller units have been phenomenal so it's always a great week when lab work <laughs> is beautiful um, it's looked gorgeous on your stories and things that you've put on it's yeah. It's great because I get all the credit for it. The patients are so happy, but actually um, that's really down to the lab. And I do give them credit. They're brilliant. Um, and then on kind of a, a, a funny side of what happened at home. So uh, my daughter, Lilia, she's one and a half. Uh, and she saw me putting nuts in my breakfast. And she said, what's that? That's what she said about everything. I said nuts and she, said she wanted some. So I gave her some cashew nuts and... She ate them and she kept asking for more. And I went, this is amazing. Like she's mm -hmm. never had nuts and she's eating all these nuts. And 
I must have given her half a jar of nuts. And when I picked her up, they were all under her. So she's <laughs> chewing them and stuffing them under her. Um, and it was brilliant. And that was one of the highlights of my week. Oh. <laughs> How's your week been? Um, I've had a very busy but productive week. It's yeah been lots of um, complex cases, a lot of planning going on, um, but all very enjoyable. Um, I've also been answering a few questions from my family and other dentists all about the BDA's post that it put on about amalgam being phased out in the EU. Um, I definitely think it's a good thing because the environmental impact of um, the mercury that it puts into the, the system is is negative. I think we've got these fantastic alternatives available and there, there was a place for amalgam, but I don't think there should be much of a place in the future if we're actually looking at sort of treatment plans as a whole. I think um, I think it is interesting because the range of reactions to this was huge. Mm. And a lot of people were saying this is the end of NHS dentistry, which I think is an interesting reaction. And you and <laughs> I had a discussion about this and whether we need to do a whole episode on this. But mm. um, my take on it is that only Northern Ireland is in the EU and mm -hmm. will be affected by the ban. So uh, directly, however, indirectly, yes. definitely the stock supplies is going to be affected. And if there's issues sort of with supply and demand, it is going to affect pricing a bit, 100%. And I think it is going to put practices in England, Scotland, Wales at that there's going to be a change there. I mean, you, you could well be right. I always think that if there's a demand for it, someone's going to find a way to make it at a price that it will be bought somewhere in the world. But I may be completely wrong. And actually, the point is that when we actually look at the implications, the reason amalgam is such a big part of uh, dentistry and especially traditionally NHS dentistry is because it's forgiving. Mm. And so the question then becomes, you know, we may have other materials, but if you need to build a tooth off pin amalgam, mm -hmm. How long do you need to do a large amalgam versus doing a large composite restoration, for example? Mm. I mean, it's not viable, really. So the question is, what are the alternatives? Because um, back in 2017, I was on a uh, restorative board for one of the companies that make um, uh, restorative materials. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to develop a, a, an alternative to amalgam that is tooth colored. Mm -hmm. And the problem is when you try and tick all the boxes, you end up ticking none of the boxes is what it looks mm -hmm. like. Um, what do you think would be the material of choice? Well, it depends on the situation. I think there's a lot of times that amalgam has been used in the past when it actually wasn't the optimal uh, material to be used. Um, the problem with amalgam ultimately is actually you're putting so much strain on the tooth in order to hold it in place and eventually it ends to that higher rate of fractures of cusps and it's entering that tooth into that the the tooth death cycle yeah. far quicker in lots of cases than actually if originally it had a more minimal composite or if it needed there was a cusp broken rather than having some massive big amalgam it had that minimally prepped onlay that was more sort of protective um, I appreciate sort of in the NHS with all these treatments, you really, you need a rubber dam, you need that time, you need to be prepping these properly. And this is one of the 
areas where amalgam like you said is it's that more forgiving but actually part of the thing on my side with sustainability is actually if in the first place you're doing that correct sort of long lasting treatment even though in that instance it may be you're using more materials if you get that longevity that actual life cycle analysis of that treatment is going to be far better for the environment the patient the your their wallets like there's benefits i think all all around whereas actually doing that quick fix in the moment yeah it gets them out of the chair quickly but actually quite often they're coming back for more needing more appointments in the long run you're using them more equipment um, and again like there is there's a toxicity level to amalgam not just in the water but for patients i know it's difficult with evidence but there is sort of small amounts of evidence that you're still ingesting that into sort of their themselves when sort of it's being placed and removed so i think i think they're all fair points but at the end of the day i think what you'll find is if you take away something that's really versatile and relatively easy to use you people don't replace it with different techniques they replace it with different materials and mm -hmm. my fear is if you take amalgam out you'll have composite put in the way amalgam was and you'll have more problems mm -hmm. having said that I really still believe NHS dentistry is dying a slow death and it's death by a million paper cuts at the moment. And mm. it might be yet another nail in its coffin. Mm. But um, I think we're all aware that it's a, it's it should be a core service. Mm -hmm. It has been grossly underfunded for a long time in terms of what it really takes to do gold standard dentistry that is of benefit to the patients. Mm. And actually, the sooner someone comes out and says that transparently rather than forcing the people who have the contracts that are in the system to be the messengers for mm. the political situation, the better. Um, I guess time will tell mm. and that this this could be a big change. But really, when you look at all of the changes and you follow what the BDA have been putting out there, I mean, on their part, it might be too little, too late. Maybe the time to argue this was in 2006 with the new contract. <laughs> um, but actually... <laughs> It, I wonder at what point it will stop being called the new contract. <laughs> uh, it, it's when the new when the new work contract comes in, but it will just be the new work contract. The, mm. So the thing is, no one wanted to accept this as the contract, which is why I think it kept that name. It mm. keeps that hope that you know, or, or <laughs> reminiscent of a time that was better. Mm. But but the fact is, it is slowly fading away. And I guess this is also a good time to say, I think. You don't want to be the last one hanging on to that boat as an individual or as a practice. And it's really harsh because some people have built not just incredible careers, but have done so much for their communities through being NHS dentists and NHS practices. But it's just really sad to see the pressure they're under now with all these changes. So, um, yeah, I think I think we're going to be seeing more stories like this, along with mm -hmm. the ones about so many cases in the news of people not being able to find a dentist and queues outside and Oh, definitely. I do think what the this ban will, and again, the BDA sort of highlighted it a little bit in that article they wrote, is it is the sort of that lowest socioeconomic sort of class, as it were, that is going to suffer the yeah. mo most ultimately. And the it, people who need it the most. And yeah, and it's really sad because it, it, yeah, there's this vicious cycle that sort of then ends up being perpetuated by the whole situation. I, I, I honestly think that all of the funding in NHS dentistry should be in not even means tested there's no need for it much like an idea of universal income 
I think that there should be a core service that everyone's entitled to. Mm. And it includes small fillings, prevention, teeth being removed and dentures. Mm -hmm. And that will give everyone the minimum that they need. Under 18s should get possibly more. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to everyone. We can get you functioning and we have the funding to do that for everyone to a good standard. And then if you want options that are not inside of that core service, then you might have to figure out whether you will be able to afford them and you can find a way to afford them. Mm -hmm. But I think a core service is the only honest way to take care of the funding issue. Maybe we need to do a full episode on all of this. But it's been, that's been really insightful. I think one day it would be great to speak to a chief dental officer and actually oh, gosh, have yeah. the... Because it, it's not easy. We can go, oh, yeah, they should do this. Hmm. There's clearly pressures in there. But it would be interesting to see what someone who's actually responsible for this thinks. Oh, definitely. Yeah, someone who's actually got around the voices and the policy. Yeah. So if um, you're listening... <laughs> <laughs> Send us a DM. <laughs> um Anyway, on to the, the bulk of this episode. I thought we'd chat about dental associate jobs um, and thought we'd split the episode sort of down into a few parts. So to start with, I wanted to chat to you about sort of finding the right associate job. Um, before that, though, what is a dental associate to you? So... Um... It's a complex relationship, isn't it? Uh, an associate is, uh, we have employed and self-employed associates at mm -hmm. this practice. And um, an associate is someone who is running a business within a business, but those businesses have to work together. Do you think that's a fair definition? Yes, I well, I in preparation for this, I, I googled a definition and it says a dentist who works at a dental practice but does not own the practice and is not employed by the owner. So sadly, I cannot be a self uh, <laughs> an employed dental yeah. associate. Um, right. So so you you are an employee. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, the other associates are self-employed. So they would count as associates. So, uh, yes, I'm an associate of my other jobs, but not. Not okay. in this building. Which I so what are we meant to call you? But no idea. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. That may, no, that makes sense. And actually, just for anyone watching or listening, um, that was Flo's choice, and I think that's an interesting <laughs> part of the discussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. Tied hand tied into it. Or something. <laughs> no, you know, I, I think, I think a big part of um trying to build a practice that's a happy place that people thrive in, is finding win wins. And I think the beauty of, you know, there's a lot of things that we accept as being how it is or how it should be. You know, everything that everyone talks about in being an associate, about their contracts, about their split, about what materials they get, about how they ask for things. There's an expectation of how things work. Instead of everyone sitting down and going, what works for you? What works for you? And actually what we might find is there's a completely different way to do things, um, which is what we've kind of found through our path. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's certainly not the norm. Yeah, I um, I really enjoy actually being employed on that side. Um, if anyone wants any more information, please send me a DM. I can, or we can even do an episode on that specifically. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's a very interesting part, I think, and definitely something that I feel more practices maybe taking up in the, in the long run. There. I I think it comes down to, uh each person 
and what motivates them, what makes them happy, feel secure, feel motivated, inspires them. I think that it's so multifactorial that actually the status of being self-employed heaps a lot of pressure on some people. Mm -hmm. um, but em employment actually makes some people feel trapped. Mm -hmm. And so it's just interesting how our personalities play a part in how we feel about this. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I am now actually going to mention it. And I do think, sadly, one of the things that does play a big role sort of in my decision is gender. Yeah. Um, because the benefits with being employed as a female mean you have maternity leave. Yeah. And I think it's quite scary being self-employed. And I know that there's lots of women that stay in the NHS purely for the maternity leave when they would have wanted to do a sort of a totally private thing earlier, but didn't feel they could yeah um so do you it, think that's really interesting it's true and actually the levels of security when you go from employed to self-employed to business owner mm. i mean yeah you just you just jump bungee jumping without a cord once you own a practice but yeah. um no no it's it's a re it's a really interesting point so i guess today we're talking specifically about self-employed associates yes um so why do you think like someone coming out of dental foundation why should someone choose to be an associate so i think your options are normally employed jobs are in hospital mm -hmm. um i wanted to be an associate because i felt like by the end of dental school i was tired of standing in line to get a supervisor to come check my work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i remember my first week in surgery um Producer Simon probably came in that time, around that time. And actually, um, I was in charge of my room. Mm. And I got confidence from that. And I felt responsibility. This patient is depending on me. No one's there as my safety net. And then as you do more and as you grow, you also see the fruits of your labor. So if you're on a percentage, what happens is you go on a course, you develop a skill, you come back. You work hard to implement it. You probably don't make money the first X number of times you do it because you spend more on lab bills. You spend lots of time. Mm -hmm. But eventually your income is coming from what you've invested in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I think for me, that was hugely inspirational that if I upskill, mm -hmm. there's an opportunity to change my income. Yeah, fair enough. I for me, one of the big things was that work life balance, that time. I didn't like the idea of going into hospital and having to do sort of on call those yes. night night shift and things. I like the structure of sort of your days can, if you want to sort of have the same times to them, you can go home in the evening and you can do then in the evening what you want, whether that is some people do take a bit of work home. Some people like to sort of walk out and that's them done for the evening. But I think it gives you that ability to sort of have that structure yeah i mean i was speaking to a dentist who who purposely worked in cornwall and so there's different types of people some people will hit their targets whether they're self-imposed or imposed by practice mm -hmm. and then keep going because they see it as opportunity he used to go if he hit his target by lunchtime he'd be surfing and i love that <laughs> I philosophy love that. <laughs> yeah he says if it takes me till five o'clock it's fine but as soon as i'm done i'm done and i said what about the patients wait he said they can come in another day so it's you know um, and, and it gives you a little more control over a few things it really does mm. 
Ali, why did you invest in the Navident dynamic navigation system? It's incredible. It brings our safety and accuracy up for patients. Here's a tracker that we use. And thanks to Rob from the dental imaging company. It's been great support and so easy to set up. I see why so many people go to him for their digital imaging, 3D or two-dimensional, and also all their surgical supplies like Ustamed screws. Rob's been incredible and I'd highly recommend working with him. Why do you use Southern Implants? I love these implants. Brilliant. I have options like Coaxis, which 38% of implants that are used by Southern are Coaxis, which means that 38% of the time, if you don't have Coaxis angle correction at implant level, you're compromising on your treatment plan. On top of that, soft bone implants for the pterygoids, as well as the max implants, immediates for molars, can save having zygomatic implants. Definitely the way to go. someone has gone right I want to be an associate where would you suggest they sort of go looking for a job so um no this is a bit harsh maybe none of the great jobs ever make it onto adverts and I always say this (laughs) right yeah and and most of the best jobs Mm -hmm. don't exist yes they're created in response to a person Mm -hmm. so um, I think the key is, I don't, did you have a story about this? No, I, I was like, just going to be like, well, I responded to your adverts. Yeah. <laughs> what does that yeah. say? Um, there, there weren't many, no, I'm, I'm teasing you. No, uh, that, that says that actually we were trying to do something different. And the key is, um, we actually had a lot of applicants for this employed position because it was a mentee position. We had applicants from all around the UK, but normally when you advertise for a job, you get local applicants. Yeah. Um, the key is that a lot of the time, a practice has it in their heads that there might be opportunity, I could expand, I could give, the principal might think, I could give half my list to someone, I'm really busy or I want to wind down, but I've no, I don't know the right person and my patients would be upset and it's not worth the headache. Mm-hmm. And then they meet someone and they go, ooh, this could work. So I think the key as an associate who might be looking for that or a principal who might be needing that mm-hmm. is to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit like... You know, this is, uh, I've been married a long time now, so this isn't my life. But if you want to find a husband or wife, you're going to find them in a nightclub or you're going to find them in a supermarket now. And, you know, this is the thing. you got to go out to the right things to meet the right people. And that means local study clubs, courses, um, networking events. That's where I think the best jobs are. Mm-hmm. And you meet people and it'll be through those people. So you develop relationships with everyone, with um company reps Mm -hmm. um with colleagues around the country joint societies Mm -hmm. i think all of these relationships get you the type of jobs that you'd want oh i I completely agree i mean it makes me think of um i'm going to mention sort of like um, hannah crow again how it was kind of through that networking at the idol um groups that sort of led to her job that she's in now and um definitely on that networking front if anyone has ever been to an event with Ali will know you are the king of networking <laughs> you Sorry. are the like the a king celeb- of networking you are you're like a, a celebrity when you walk around with you just everyone stops you and says hello which is fantastic um but but, but but see what you don't see is that's from the year I qualified 
That's 10 years of going to things and saying hello to people. And what you realize is when you walk up to people and you're just nice to them, mm. everyone's just nice back to you. And especially at dental events, you all have something in common there. It's not a mm-hmm. random event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly you go, I've known you for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is what happens. And, yeah. and suddenly, you know, you put a message out there on a WhatsApp group or a Facebook forum and you say, hey, guys, like I'm, I've decided to leave general practice and I mm-hmm. just want to do implants and I'm willing to travel two hours from Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know of anything? Mm-hmm. And someone that you've bumped into four times in the last eight years mm-hmm. will say, hey, I know someone. And they message them saying, I've known this guy for 10 years. He's mm-hmm. great. And they go, OK, I'll give him a job. Mm-hmm. This is literally how jobs come about. Yeah, no, definitely. So for someone who sort of that younger audience there who maybe they haven't done as much networking, they just haven't had that opportunity. And they're sort of looking maybe for that very early associate job. Is there anywhere you would sort of recommend looking at any adverts for? Oh, that's a tough one. I think actually now, if you're going to find a job on an advert, then all the Facebook groups just Mm -hmm. post ads there. Yeah. I think it used to be BDJ jobs Mm -hmm. where everyone used to go. I know there's like professional recruiters and headhunters as Mm -hmm. well. But to be honest, what I do is I join local study clubs and Mm -hmm. I'd go to them. Um, also wherever if you're a young dentist and you're referring in the area Mm. um follow your referrals say can i come spend a day there and then sometimes you can drop in and say oh um i'm thinking about maybe a job Mm -hmm. that is a bit different to what i'm doing let me know if you hear of anything the other great thing is dental accountants (laughs) yeah uh, they know all the dentists they know all the dentists but they know what the businesses need right Mm -hmm. so anyone who's looking to sell their practice hire associates expand they know everyone Mm -hmm. and so um having a really good accountant is really important anyway Mm -hmm. but great accountants are actually will will help you get to where you want to go Mm -hmm. and so um actually you know when you've been looking for jobs accountants have put you in touch with people as well i think so it's um dental accountants are a great way to go yeah oh definitely i think um when you are looking one of the things that i definitely found really important sort of when i was looking is having sort of that list of things that i wanted in in my mind sort of going in yeah um actually sort of sitting down um, I think we sat down as well when I was sort of looking for other days and things saying exactly sort of what you want in a practice. Um, so even if you are sort of finding things through word of mouth, you can sort of stay true to yourself as well when um, offers do sort of come your way. I think that's yeah. really, really important. And a little bit of manifesting, you know, goes a long way. <laughs> you know, it's a scary time when you're looking for a job and sometimes you're inclined to compromise and um the problem is you need someone there in your corner who isn't as emotionally involved in that decision and that can be a friend a colleague a mentor family's more difficult because they don't quite understand our field that you go through your non-negotiables and why and then when the offers come in Mm -hmm. they stop you from jumping at things when i was looking to leave general practice and do implants there was a, a actually this is great. Cameron Curry is he's really nice guy. I worked with him. He just does endo now. He's got his master's. Really good clinician. I was working with him in general practice. 
and he actually came to me and said, hey, I, I visit a Portman practice in Hereford and they need an implant guy. Would you be interested? And I was like, I don't know if I could do that. I, you know, I haven't just done just an implant job. And he was like, I think you'd be great for it and I'll put your name for it, which was awesome. Um, but it was him that introduced me to it. Now, the thing is you get contract offers and you're negotiating them. And I was speaking to one of my friends, uh, Nilesh Palmer, who has a practice in Essex. Um, and Nilesh and I were teaching for ADI events together. He's a really nice guy. We didn't spend a lot of time together, but he's always been really nice. And I said, you know what? You're great with this kind of stuff. You have a practice, you make contract offers. I've had this offer. And he went, no, don't take that. And I went, oh, but it's kind of like my dream to go out and just, uh, I want to be excited about work again and I want to do implants. And he said, don't take that. You're worth more than that. And I thought, oh, if I say that, these people might not offer me something again. And you have imposter, we all have imposter syndrome all the time. And he said, no. So I said, no. And they gave me the contract that I wanted. And that kept me there for a long time. And I still am so thankful to him. So have someone in your corner that's seen it before. Mm -hmm. um, and again, these are from, I went to an ADI event and I know Nilesh from that. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people out there who have been through everything we've been through. And sometimes the person making the offer is in a position of strength mm. because they've seen it all before. So when you do get that contract through, what are sort of some common things to look out for? So you want to make sure, I mean, read through it and make sure it's all sensible. Mm -hmm. Exclusion zones aren't worth the paper they're written on. No. Yeah. So, so I mean, fine. I, the thing is, you don't want to break a contract if you can avoid it, but actually all that stuff and I don't hold from from our practice. I don't hold people to an exclusion zone. Mm -hmm. What I've said to everyone who's worked here, if you go and open up your own practice next door, I'll refer to you. Mm. Right. And that comes from hopefully the idea that we try and create such a good environment here that you'd think, why would I bother? Mm. But the point is that actually it's because you can't fight those things. If someone's going to go out and do something and follow their dream, let them. Mm -hmm. So exclusion zones, I don't believe in. You want to make sure that the basics are there, you know, what happens if there's a problem with a patient, um, redoing work, who pays for that, mm -hmm. um, retention costs seem to be this big problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was great when I worked for a corporate, they take the retention costs that they're going to hold at the end, right at the beginning. And then oh, that's good. That's good. It's gone. <laughs> right. Um, that definitely when I left my last one, it, that when you suddenly leave and then You've got that longer, usually a longer bit before you're going to be paid. And your last paycheck was so much more reduced. Yeah. It does yeah. put you at a strain sort of for two months. You're like, oh, gosh, yeah. there's nothing in the bank account. <laughs> and it that being clear from the beginning and then knowing when you're going to get it back and the conditions, you know, if they're going to need to redo work on your patients, whether they're going to contact you first. I mean, these are all really important things. Um, some people try and put in really unreasonable things. But what I would say is sit down and read the contract and understand it mm. and just see if there's anything in there that makes you think, oh, that's a bad idea. I mean, people will say get the BDA to check your contract. They're BDA standard contracts. Lots of people can fiddle with things. The BDA mm. would sometimes miss things if you give it to them. Not everything in the BDA contract is exactly perfect or what you should look for mm -hmm. but really understanding the contract things like your time off things like when problems happen mm. finding cover for yourself mm -hmm. if you're off ill or an extended leave these are really important points i think Good. so you found a dream job how do you go sort of about actually securing it now and i do know particularly sort of when you're getting things through word of mouth this might be a bit less important 
but if yeah. you're applying for something um what would you sort of say really helps you sort of stand out you know we, we look at cvs mm -hmm. and cvs tell you if you definitely wouldn't want someone so you know that straight <laughs> yeah. away then every everyone else you bring them in for an interview and probably in the first 10 seconds you've decided whether you like them mm -hmm. and the step now that i take that i didn't used to take is i ask clinical questions as well because mm -hmm. it's my responsibility to make sure everyone knows what they're doing mm -hmm. in this building so i'd say your cv make it concise put the important stuff on it make it look nice you should be able to hold it up and it looks visually nice not all cramped because that suggests that's how your brain works you know <laughs> just lay it out neatly make it look nice put the important stuff in there portfolios now i think for clinicians are essential mm -hmm. having a separate portfolio if you work now if you don't have a portfolio ready and a job ad comes out do what Flo did <laughs> and what Flo did is she sent in a, a letter saying I'm really interested and I'll be sending in my portfolio I'm getting it together and then you sent a really nice portfolio after that and if you're going to send in a portfolio you can't have taken the photo on a Nokia 3310 from outside <laughs> the building of something blurry with no light I mean you all these things that you hand in they're a representation of who you are and the standard of your work so it's better to give very little and it be representative of your quality mm. than to try and give someone 50 cases that are all just a little bit off. Um, and I think that start is there. Mm -hmm. And then you turn up to the interview and just be yourself because what you're looking for, it's a, it, I keep likening it to marriage because you're, you're not trying to just sell yourself to a practice. You're also trying to see if it's a good fit. And for mm. it to work well, it has to just be the right fit. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what I'd add to that is on the CV with that aesthetic thing, make it look almost like the job you want. So if you know you're applying for, say, a job that's very um, aesthetics driven, you know you're going to be doing like a lot of composite bonding and veneers and that is the, the full job, then make your CV look really pretty. Show yeah. that you really care yeah. about the details and that. Yeah. Um, if you're applying for a job that's a little bit more, I was going to say rough and ready, that's the wrong, <laughs> that's the yeah. wrong phrase, yeah. um, but a little bit more sort of real general dentistry, getting your, your nails dirty a, a little bit with it. It doesn't need to be sort of as aesthetic, get get all of the sort of, you know, maybe more data and things in there. Um, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, that's um, really good advice. I also, I think having a photo on a CV nowadays, I think is a must personally yeah but that's, why is that i think because it, it shows who it is and particularly if someone's sort of looking through sort of multiple i, I realize in dentistry it's a little bit different than in some jobs when you're applying and there are sort of but it, it very clearly then becomes sort of you and your cv um it doesn't need to be anything sort of exaggerated just sort of like a small one in the corner but i think it's very easy then for someone to identify that as You'll I guess you've me. set yourself apart at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, li I like I like that anyway. But okay. um, um, in terms of interview s skills, do you have any sort of tips on like how someone should prep? Yeah, I, I like someone who comes in with questions because they've mm -hmm. thought about what kind of job they want and not silly questions like what brand is your like your I like <laughs> I don't even know what brand the like your is. I mean, people who have, you know, questions about 
firstly, you need to be prepared and understand the practice. At the very least, you need to have looked at their website and understand that inside out. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have a website, if someone comes in with ideas, I love that. So if someone mm -hmm. comes in and says, oh, I looked at your website, this stuff's missing or mm -hmm. you could do this. Or if a practice doesn't have a website, you know, maybe that's <laughs> something worth suggesting. But my point is someone who's coming in with ideas and ways to develop the the practice is amazing. I think you, you know, we talked about at your interview, you were talking about sustainability mm -hmm. and that was something we were really keen to support because um, it's a good thing to support. And so people who are passionate and bringing something to the table, I know not all practices want that because they might want trouble free, mm. but I think you having questions that are specific, like, um, do you have anything for sustainability in place? Or you might be going to a job and saying, um, do you have an intraoral scanner for example and they might say no we don't and you might say do you have plans to get one you know sometimes people are trying to sell themselves at an interview and actually i think it shows the practice that you value yourself if you ask questions pertaining to what you get out of the job as well definitely i yeah i always think it's important that when you're in an interview it's not just you're being interviewed you are interviewing yes the practice because ultimately you are the one that also has to turn up and work there sort of every day i think jobs always sound exciting when you're doing the application process but actually you need to work out sort of three months down the line is this actually where you want to be sort yeah. of every day on those hard days when everything else is going wrong do you think that's still going to be sort of the right fit for you then yeah. and and honestly it doesn't matter whether you're employing a dentist or someone else whether you're interviewing for that at the end of the day the only time you find out if it's a good fit is once you're there because mm -hmm. everyone can be the best version of themselves for an hour, a day, a week, a month, even three months. Mm -hmm. After that, that's when you really find out. And so you have to go with your gut and what you feel. You know, you if you get a good feeling and you're getting lots of good signs from the practice, you got to give it a chance. But you know what? We're all going to make mistakes with, with hiring, with taking jobs. And it's just part of life that you can't be sure that it's the perfect job and you shouldn't beat yourself up if on paper it's a perfect practice i was so lucky i didn't enjoy it why am i like this why didn't i appreciate it more no mm. it just wasn't right for you and that's okay mm -hmm. it's yeah it's very true i think it's there's that isn't there that element of you never can actually see what a situation is until sort of later on yeah. things can always look really positive really negative but actually what it leads to down the line is very hard to say in the moment yes um so we've spoken about sort of an associate getting a job, but actually the market is quite different currently. And it's a lot more of practices needing to entice in the right associate. How do you think sort of practices should go about sort of trying to entice in the right so associate? I have to say the right practices don't have problems recruiting mm -hmm. and the right pra the, the practices that look for someone, it doesn't jo job ads don't go out. And when they put feelers out, multiple people are interested mm -hmm. and i think the key is that you have to create a, i'm going to call it a job even though it's not a job mm -hmm. but it is in a way you have to create something that you would want to work in mm -hmm. so the aim for for me at the practice is to create uh jobs that in every way in terms of um the dentist's income the job satisfaction the support they get the development the team they're part of, clinical and non-clinical, just all of it 
is just so good that why would you ever want to have your own practice? Mm-hmm. Because the reason I used to say I don't want to practice mm-hmm. and I used to walk into every practice I was visiting. And at one point I was visiting seven practices and get frustrated at the way they were running the practice. And Zara, my wife, said to me, well, if you think you can do it better, why don't you do it yourself? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Actually, I can. Like now it's getting to the point where I'm getting frustrated at everything. Mm-hmm. So the point is. It's creating that. Now, it's not always easy and everyone doesn't always win. And actually, we can't always understand each other's stresses. But I think um, practices need to create that. And I think you're uh, you're in now visiting, you're in three practices here and two others. And both the other practices see you as worth investing in, in terms of they're trying to build a structure for you. Mm -hmm. And it's give and take. So you say, yeah, I'm willing to do this. And they bring in equipment to help you do this. And this is how this is how we develop these relationships. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think what was quite interesting, actually, when I went to um, my interviews at both of the other practices, it was very much more of a casual chat. Yeah. rather than sort of a very formal interview, which was quite nice. And it was a, a bit more of that, that discussion of sort of yeah. what can you give, what can I give? And yes. um, because ultimately, again, it, you're self-employed at the end of the day. Yes. So it is much more of that give and take. Um, I think the role sort of we have is, is more unique because I am employed. Yes. Um, so I think they just need that little bit more, maybe of that formal interview. <laughs> but, but actually in its nature, I mean, you're employing someone to fulfill a role, whereas with an associate, you're you're making a business arrangement with another business kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is more give and take than looking for someone who has this role and gets this amount of money for that role. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think one of the problems is, though, that. Um, practices don't ask enough questions at the interview and grill enough mm-hmm. and and dentists feel like they shouldn't push too hard either mm-hmm. and then you don't actually get the the answers for the things that really matter so you have to really reflect on what's important to you what's gone wrong in previous jobs you know mm-hmm. what, what was the atmosphere like what was the equipment like what was the uh, reception team like what were the patient base like mm-hmm. all of that has to be the stuff that you just ask directly and have yeah. an open discussion about. I think that's how you have a good interview that leads to an outcome where everyone wins. Mm. I think there's also that you get a feel sort of the minute you walk in a building for sort of how, yeah, like you said, how you're kind of greeted when you walk in yeah. and um, sort of where you're maybe left to sit or how long you're left to wait. I think it does yes. all add, it all adds up. Um when you yeah. are going for that interview because it also I think in quite a lot of the times it reflects almost then that, that what the patient's going to experience and if they're going to be your patients you want to make sure that that's a good experience for them as well that's a good, good way to think about it yeah that's yeah because yeah most of the time the interview is at a dental practice yeah 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 <laughs> um I have a couple of questions from the dentists that have written in um so the first one is, how do you gauge a practice's ethos and vision and how important is it to understand your fit? Wow, that's a big question. Um, you know, you, you have to get to know it. You, you can't look at a brochure and understand these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way you can gauge all of that is firstly, you have to see if what they're projecting is honest. If what their website is like and what they say is really who they are, you have to see if that's true 
And the only way to do that is spending time there. I really don't think you can gauge any of this without having spent at least three months out of practice. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that there's no shortcut to that. You just got to go with your gut in the beginning. And sometimes it will work out. And sometimes you might find actually had the wall pulled over my eyes and then you might recognize some of the red flags from before but mm -hmm. i really don't think there's a there's a way to assess that prior mm -hmm. to starting fair enough would you actually just sort of on that note then recommend that sort of potentially making sure in your contract there's an easier way to leave within the first three or four months because quite often with dental contracts there's a if you give your notice in there's three or four months so if you give it three months you can end up being there like six seven months um so no there's no easy way out of that but i've said this to you as well don't take on five days a week at a new place mm. the answer is take take on one day and do them a favor the other four days mm. if that's possible because then when you hand your notice in, you go back to your one day if you can. <laughs> that is, is the only way to mitigate it. I know that's an extreme mm. way to say it. Um, but no, this is this is contracts. Contracts are contracts. And if you walk in and you hate it the first week, hand your notice in. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's sadly, there's no way out of these things. And actually, you can just not turn up. But the problem is the dental world's a small world. Yes. You're only as good as your word. No, yeah, no, it's very true. Um, next question we had um, was, would you recommend using recruiters? No. <laughs> like yeah. Short and yeah. Sweet. Um, rec recruiters are middlemen who I, the only jobs that need uh, someone advocating for them are jobs that no one wants. Mm -hmm. And the only um, associates that can't find a good job in an associates market right now um, it's because they need to develop something that they haven't figured out, in my opinion. Mm. And then bad fits find bad fits through recruiters. So, <laughs> sorry if you're a recruiter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we've got many recruiters listening. But <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. Um, and last question from um, written in was, why are corporate practices demonized? I think it's a bit harsh. I had a really good experience with Portman. Mm -hmm. um, I think I just as I just don't like standardization. I'm a person who doesn't. I don't want to walk down the high street and see all the same chains over and over again. Mm -hmm. I think there's something beautiful about walking into, say, a cafe that's owned by a family, them being really proud of something, there being something different. I, I just love that about it. And so um, Flo Sorry. has to go for a run. <laughs> um, so, so there's something really beautiful about that. And um, corporates are brilliant because of the standardization and the and the and the structure that they have mm -hmm. and everything works the way it should and there are processes to doing everything mm -hmm. i hate processes to getting <laughs> things done i walk in if we need to change something in this building we change it and mm -hmm. i love that um and but i think they're demonized unfairly a lot of the time mm -hmm. because people don't understand that in order for such a big organization to work there has to be structure mm -hmm. i also think that as much as you can standardize things it still comes down to how good in a dental practice the practice manager is mm -hmm. and if that corporate is a good one to work for and has a great practice manager it's going to be a great practice in Hereford I had a really good practice manager and that made a world of difference so actually you can't just say this corporate is good or this corporate is bad mm -hmm. on the whole they're actually corporates are actually really good to work for and really easy because you never have issues it's all standardized but you got to be careful which one you go to which individual practice fair enough fair enough um Sorry, I was going to say, I, I, I don't know if you were going to get to this, mm -hmm. but I feel like we've addressed this from an associate's point of view. And I just wanted to give a list of what practices are looking for. Mm 
mm-hmm. if that's okay. Yeah. Um, because I thought hard about this, and I thought when we are looking at an associate, what are the aspects of that associate that we're looking at? Mm-hmm. Now, the the one that's easy to understand is income generation. Mm-hmm. Um, the more skilled you are technically and in terms of communication, the more chance as a business you help. Mm-hmm. But that's only a very small part, and that's the first part people tend to think of. But um, patient satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So. It, having the technical ability means the the dentistry is good and you don't have issues but being a really good communicator is actually as if not more important than that mm-hmm. because then you never have stress you never have complaints because this mm-hmm. associate just gets on with it and the patients are happy would you ever then question an interview i don't know if you're allowed to do this like how many complaints someone's had Ooh, um i think if you chat to someone for 10 minutes, you'll know if, how many complaints they've Fair had. Enough. And then when you look at their portfolio, you'll know whether it was their personality or their work. And, and sadly, this, you know, this stuff is pretty obvious. Um, and then how easily they fit into a team. I'm, I'm awful to have an associate. I am a princess and a diva and I need things a certain way. And then I go watch, I watched Gareth work over the weekend and he just... Yeah, whatever you give me, Ashwai mentor. Yeah, whatever you give me, I'm not like that. I think you are really laid back. I think Aston's really good about things in terms of he'll work with anyone. I'm very particular. So having an associate that's particular is particularly annoying for a practice, right? Um, but also just how you are with people. If you're nice to nurses, if you're nice to your colleagues, if you're nice to reception, if you pitch in, you pitch in loads. Like you fix the sink once. Like you <laughs> you help so much around the practice. So I think that's a big part of being part of the practice family. Um, socially good team members. Mm-hmm. So um, Aston is the world's best social lubricant. <laughs> um, you put him in a room with people and everyone's really happy and laughing and joking. And, you know, um, it's the same with you. It's the same with Cass. Actually, we have a really nice team, but that's really important that mm-hmm. everyone likes to be together. Uh, the effect on other staff members in a working sense. Do you bring out the best in people? Do you train them, help them excel? Are you patient with them? So mm-hmm. all of our nurses are constantly striving to get better. And actually, you know, everyone wants to be good at their job. Mm-hmm. And an associate who helps someone be better at their job and helps colleagues, you know, how we yeah. help each other. I think there's huge value in the positivity that it creates. So mm-hmm. that attitude. Um Efforts towards the practice brand and growth is a big one. And so this is the thing. If you're just thinking about your brand and you've got your flow, Dr. Flow King monogram that you put on social media and you're putting it out there and everything you do is like, oh, contact me for this. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But is it representative of the practice? Is it representative? Or are you saying I'm part of this practice? I'm Dr. Flow King, but I'm part of this practice mm-hmm. and we have a team that can help you. Mm-hmm. Um, is your ethos... Is the practice trying to grow in a direction of providing more, say, plan care, like den plan or mm-hmm. something? And you're shouting about Invisalign and not mm-hmm. really helping with that. Um, is your ethos, oh, yeah, we really care about people. And the practice is, oh, we're really flash. I don't know. There's so many ways that these things can clash. So you and the practice growing in the same direction together mm-hmm. is actually really important. And um, and. Practices, I think, more and more are willing to invest in the future and in your development. Mm-hmm. And you being clear on what that is um, and being willing to have a long-term relationship for as long as it's working, I think is a really good thing now. And seeing a vision of how you can help the practice and how the practice can help you. So mm-hmm. my, my list was kind of like a, 
a way for associates who are looking for a job to maybe think about how they can approach their interviews a little bit? No, I, I really like, I think that was really, really helpful. Great. I was going to end with just a sort of a little fun, last little thing. If sort of on your, if you're making a list, I appreciate you now have a practice, but let's go back five years or so and pretend you're looking for a job. What would be sort of the three things on your list? Ooh, wow. Okay. Clinical freedom. Mm -hmm. Good basic working equipment. I was happy to invest in toys, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, those things being there. And um, an ambitious practice that was trying to do things better all the time were really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, there were so many other things like, you know, the working hours and the distance from home and all of that. But I realized that those those things were the things that would um, affect my happiness a lot. Mm. I, I think the one of the biggest things that I've always had on sort of my list is being able to walk to work. And I appreciate now in one of my jobs, I can't. Um, but for me, that's always been a massive thing that I like to be able to do. Top and I three? I mean, it would be basically almost at the top there. You just work anywhere if you can walk there. <laughs> if I there. can walk there, Amazing. and I will walk miles. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, as much as I can, I, I, I would look for somewhere that I could walk if possible. Um, I think definitely that support, having something where you know you're going to be supported um, and, yeah, room, room for growth as well. I think that's, I mean, yeah. also someone who cares about sustainability is probably, you know. <laughs> but then there's so many other things as well. You're like, oh, I want to work for people or kind people who care about people. Like, oh, yeah, this no, list is almost endless. I know, endless. you can go, yeah. go on for ages, but um, we've gone on long enough now. Um, thank you so much for your time and answering all of my questions there. Thank um, you, Flo. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. Send us a DM with any questions, queries or topic suggestions. And remember, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Please rate and review the podcast. This episode was produced by Simon Regan.